You're listening to The Watchers, a show where two women from opposite ends of New Jersey watch TV about motherfucking New Jersey. <laughs> Finally! I am so sorry to all of our non-Jersey <laughs> listeners. I This is the most Jersey, I think, at least me, at least I am ever going to be. I'm not sorry. This is I'm it, not sorry guys. even a little bit. This is the one... As mentioned, filmed about three minutes from the house I grew up in. <laughs> Not all of it, but. Well, this is your life story, right? Yeah. You <laughs> yes. sold the rights. My and... early days as a as a rapper. <laughs> yeah. Oh, this my movie, God. I know that I've been joking with you um, since you brought it up about this being so hyper specific local North Jersey. Yeah. But but. There's so much of this movie that felt like home to me, too. Like, this is just a Jersey, Jersey-ass Jersey movie. It's so fucking Jersey. It felt so good to watch this movie. I'm Jody. Oh, I'm Andrea. And we watched Patty Cakes. And we're fr- from New Jersey. We're, I don't know if we've in mentioned case you, that. In case you didn't know. Um, so Patty Cakes, uh, 2017, starring Danielle McDonald, um, Siddharth Dananjay, um and Bridget Everett and a few other people it's a really solid cast I was I'll just to start I was so impressed with everybody in this movie yeah same I Patty's accent could you know a little work but considering <laughs> the fact that she's the that she's Australian mm-hmm. I'm I thought she was somebody I didn't know she was Australian at first and I thought she was just somebody from the states doing a pretty thick version mm-hmm. of a jersey accent but no she's australian know. so so in that in that regard it's pretty impressive yes yes and uh mamadou Athi, i i hope i'm pronouncing that right i probably am not um as bastard um, <laughs> love of my life oh my god mine too <laughs> <laughs> oh, i went to bergen catholic <laughs> <laughs> the um oh, the caption God. said Birkin Catholic and I was like oh, get come the fuck out of here. Birkin Catholic, man. <laughs> oh my god. The local references. I mean, I understand that this is a guy from Hillsdale, which is the town my parents had their first apartment in. <laughs> Filming, you know, basically he filmed in Saddlebrook. Like the Excelsior where she does her like one of her gigs. I think it's the bar- the bar mitzvah. That's Saddlebrook. I know it's so annoying that we're going to be like, this movie feels like New Jersey, but it's so because annoying. It, it should feel like Jersey because somebody from Jersey made it in New Jersey. So like. And unfortunately, not as much in New Jersey as he wanted. Um, yeah. Can you. Which. Hold on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> let's. 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 Let's refocus. We're not going to just, just talk bit. about Route 46 the whole time because we could. <laughs> we are podcast professionals. I don't know, and, man. And we have we have a system. And the first thing we're going to do is one of us. <laughs> ah, fuck, it's me. It's you. Okay, I'm going to tell you what, what this, this movie is about. about. Uh-huh. And and then we'll get into all the. And I will say for our listeners, we have some other things to talk about other than just shouting about how much we love New Jersey and how uh, Jersey this movie is. Do there we? are a couple other things. Yeah. We got a couple other things. I don't know. Um, this is a movie about um, Patricia Dombrowski. Mm-hmm. She's an early uh, 
twenties woman living in New Jersey. Her two defining characteristics characteristics in this movie are her race and her size. Mm. Um, the movie is obsessed with both in ways that. Well, actually, I'm. I know I'm not supposed to be commenting yet, but it's <laughs> you can't help yourself. It's like more interested in one over the other. Yeah, uh, you and I can talk about how it handles both mm-hmm. of those both of those things. Um, but she is a. I'm. I just peek behind the curtains. I just spent a long time trying to find something with the actor talking about her size to see what mm. her preference is. But she is fat or plus size or however um, you want to describe that. And I only make mention of it in this because it is what everybody else in the movie is obsessed with. Yeah. It seems like their her biggest is issue. Dumbo. Yeah, her, her name is like, Dumbo. So. She goes by her rap name is Killapy or Patty Cakes, mm-hmm. um, but everybody else in the movie who has a problem with her being a a rapper um, calls her Dumbo. Yeah, um, or not even has a problem with her being a rapper. Just everybody who just encounters everybody. her. Yeah, um, she works at a bar. She lives with her mom, who is an alcoholic probably Implied. at the very least yeah. she's a heavy drinker mm-hmm. um and her grandmother who recently had surgery and is recovering um they have a very sweet relationship played uh, by um kathy moriarty, kathy moriarty yeah. from fucking raging bull <laughs> yeah she's incredible in this she's great um, again not the point not the point andrea get it together um sorry i just and... i distracted <laughs> we haven't done this in so long because we I banked know. a couple episodes, and the last one we did, we didn't really do this with because yeah, it wasn't because it was Times so, Square. Uh, and also, I have ADHD, and I'm only halfway through my coffee, so we are really, we are really <laughs> flying uh, by the seat of our pants. Totally. Um, her um, best friend, soulmate Jerry, is um, her hype man and also an aspiring rapper. Um, he works in a pharmacy, which I know isn't Jersey really, but it just feels very like, yeah, it's in in like a strip mall. Yeah. That's probably just the vibe of the place. Um, they are, um, fantasizing about becoming famous rappers so they can leave New Jersey. Uh, something that I would bet lots of North Jersey people have fantasized about. Um, I don't get it, but whatever. Um, <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about the growing up seeing the city skyline from your uh, from your town because that's yeah. a, that's a thing. Patty and her mom are struggling to pay their uh, to pay Nana's hospital bills. Mm-hmm. I think my issue is it's the I'm not I can't I don't know if it's the movie's fault. Not fault. I don't know if it's the movie or me where I'm like, how much of this is like, what's plot point and what's like set piece? Yeah. Like, do we need to talk about like, does, is Danny his name? The white rapper? Mm-hmm. Um, Danny and Slaz. Like, do we need to talk about them? Right. Yeah. Well, it depends because we have done like really fast recaps where it's like three minutes, just top, plop, top to bottom. Mm-hmm. And then we've done ones where it's a bit more inflected with different pieces but I think, like, if I was going to give a three-minute or three-line three, three line summary or whatever, if I was going to give a super quick summary, I would say this movie is about a early 20s female rapper from New Jersey, her best friend Jerry, who works at a pharmacy, trying to, quote-unquote, make it and get out of the city or get out of Jersey. Um, they meet Bastard, who is a strange man who lives in the woods, um, and makes beats and screams about capitalism 
He's the Antichrist. He's the best. Um, <laughs> they, the three of them team up. Um, and. Well, there are four of them who team up. Nana. <laughs> Nana. Yeah, I'm having trouble with this too. Okay. So. Um, wow, that's hard. Yeah, because this isn't really. That's the thing is one thing you and I have talked about is. And I think we'll leave most of this in. Oh, God. I think, <laughs> it's a hero's journey is what it is. That's. Because the thing you and I have talked about, um, or the thing you and I talked about as I started watching this movie, is that it is like, when you say hero's journey, you mean it is like archetypal Literal. template. You, mm-hmm. This would be a great movie to teach plot in an intro to film class yep. or any, like, I would use this in a comp one class to teach story beats. Like, it is, yes. you know what is, and this is, I'm not even putting a value judgment on that yet. Plot, like, point by point, I could tell you what's going to happen next in this movie mm-hmm. every step of the way. And in a weird way, I was really, um, I found that really satisfying for some reason. Like, this movie yeah. felt really safe in a way that I liked yeah. while I was watching it. Well, um, and most of the reviews of this film bring this up in some way. Um, the article that you and I both looked at from the Roger, e- Roger Ebert site um, calls it formulaic. Um, San- he says, um, I'm just going to read this now. I was going to read it later, but I'm harping on the familiar formulaic elements of the film, not because I'm trying to be mean, but because Jasper, the director, Jeremy Jasper, a visually skilled director who's also a natural with actors, foregrounds them in a way that makes them impossible not to notice and comment on. He's sampling the older movies he loves, just like a beginning hip-hop artist samples the oh, records. Oh, I love that! Just like the beginning hip-hop artist samples the records he loves. The breaks are the ones you've heard too many times, and your affection for them is tempered by knowledge that the artist is blatantly trying to treat pop culture nostalgia as an emotional crutch and creative insurance policy. This happens a lot in the early stages of careers. The artist starts by imitating the art that inspired them and then makes them into something new. Well, and I think that... There's so much in this movie that feels f- like fresh and um and new and um specific and is really like specific and interesting that I think it's okay that it's mapped onto something really familiar. Mm-hmm. Um and it's also like some this movie is really has like a, a lot of heart and it's very sweet in a lot of ways, but it's also really grim. There is mm-hmm. a lot of this movie that is really rough. And I think knowing that at this, like, certain low points in this movie, that I could trust that this was not a movie that was going to end in the lowest yeah. point, that we were going to get something at the end that felt good, yeah. made it... Like, I, I texted you when... I'm not... I guess we don't have to worry about. Why am I acting like this is the first time we've ever done this podcast? I was going to say we don't have to worry about spoilers. It's obviously. only been two weeks, and we're both like, like "What do we do? God. What is it? Is the microphone in front of me? What What's is happening? a podcast?" Um, because I I texted you because it goes, bastard runs away, and five seconds later Nana dies. Kind of, yeah. It is like it is back to back those scenes. Yeah. She goes from yeah, she's waking up. Yeah. Right. He's gone. And the next scene, Nana's yeah. dead. Yeah. And that is brutal. Mm-hmm. They're like t- two good things in her life right now in a life that is not great. Um, And I texted you and I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Mm-hmm. And like you said, like, well, I, I mean, know. there has to be. Yeah. Well, I said there has to be an 80 or for there to be a uh, uh, uplift at the end that was really as delightful as it could be. 
Right. And it is a little over the top that those two things happen together. But if you're thinking of this movie as like Jasper wanted to write a movie ass movie. Like he did. Th- that scene had to happen. It's eight mile. It's Rocky. It's like, you know, there's a there's a, a list, I'm sure, somewhere of the movies that this is sort of similar to mm-hmm. in its uh like, even down to the like plot. Up two weeks to the big show. <laughs> like, it's... Uh-huh. Yeah. It yeah. doesn't feel lazy to me, I guess. No, And maybe I mean, I'm giving Jasper a lot of credit there because he's a Oh, to be Jersey fair, I think we both are going to. to. <laughs> yes. We're both going to do that because it, there's something about when you're from a place that is as maligned as Jersey, and especially for me when you're from a corner of it that no one has ever heard of. Right. And then you see literally, like the route you used to walk to school <laughs> like filmed really cinematically you're like oh no oh. oh he sees me <laughs> so plot beats so the major i would say the like biggest plot like points whatever are that first show at the vfw which is that was my first moment of really falling in love with this movie i just yep. ev- everything about that the the group it's a rap group so Danny and good. they're they're bad. That's what I was gonna say though, is that someone who grew up in the local, like you know, kind of like local show, local punk yeah. scene, there's always one or two bands that we were obsessed with for no reason. That are not good, yeah. That are not good. Yeah. But they're bad. Everybody's obsessed with them. Yeah. Danny thinks he's hot shit. He's not. He's just the like loudest person in their t- goon squad. Oh my god. Uh, Awful. And it's just like him being like her having a crush on this shitbag dude with the crust stash at the pizza shop is like mm, yum yum yum. It's just like Yep. And and he's bad, but yeah, exactly. He's bad, but everybody loves him anyway for no reason. Yeah. They have a rap battle (laughs) in a parking lot. And you know what else is like killing? Yeah. Kill it. They're just all hanging out in the yeah. parking lot, of course. Of course. The thing is that, like, he's bad. I I kind of like that Killipi isn't... She's not great. No. You can see and she's it, got, like, thoughts and ideas and, and talent, but she's not, like... She doesn't blow him out of the water immediately. Right. And yeah. there's a... At the end, just to jump... Um, Bob, bastard, introduces her to, to his dead Catholic. mom. <laughs> But he introduces her as a poet, yeah, which I really like, yeah, like because it's like it's it's not just that she is a white girl culture vulture as yeah. Oz describes her, which she is, yeah. like, but she does have talent in there, and I like that, like stripped away, what she has is like a, a talent for for words, and yeah, that's there no matter what, and that's what you kind of see. Um, <laughs> And I think, you know, we're kind of jumping all over the place, but I think to me, as someone who's currently at an artist residency, the the, <laughs> the real sort of like turning point comes when she starts speaking for herself and not mimicking other people, you know, totally. and that's sort of the point of it. I wrote VFW, Goon Squad on stage, Danny rapping shirtless, rapping shitty misogynistic stuff shirtless. <laughs> yeah. Well, and he is, it's so, their scene then in the Ooh. parking lot after that uh-huh. is 
he is so he immediately he does the lazy thing yep. he immediately goes after her size yep his every every insult he throws at her is about her size yep. and so she comes back at him about his dick basically yeah. and he decides that's a line too far and fucking headbutts her yeah does not so, take it well no well he headbutts um, her after she kisses him she says right. you mad bro and she kisses it's not him really about his dick it's about the implication that he would have sex with her exactly exactly and um, he cannot take that no and he he headbutts her and that's when the cop comes she's not a snitch though so she won't she's not a snitch no just even that even the local fucking cop who's like a little too familiar with everybody who's Who like grew up there yeah and knows i can name them. parents oh yeah i could i could give you all of them by name i i i I've talked about the movie theater I worked at. The movie theater I worked at had the local police station had a satellite, a substation connected to the movie theater because it would get a little rowdy. Um, and those cops would just like they were just always there hanging out. Yeah. Like and yep. He what uh I forget the cop's name. It doesn't fucking matter. But I just I love how unseriously everybody takes that cop in this Yeah. Movie. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> This is also when they meet um, Bastard the Antichrist, Ugh. and they see him perform, and he just screams at the, to the like two guys standing near the stage about being sheep. <laughs> he's got a real serious message. He yeah. he's more sensitive and and sees things than other people. He's got a little little manic pixie dream boy. Absolutely, I'm totally fine with it. Yeah, I'm totally I would have been in love with him and i am in love with him yeah. so it's fine um yeah. and and of course they go immediately to the diner the number of times let's go jerry tries to solve a problem by saying go let's to go diner. to the diner felt it's it's anytime something bad happens anytime something good happens he wants to celebrate like it, it's pandering to a certain audience and it worked Oh my god! Every time he said it, I was like, mm, yeah, "I did try yes. to figure out which diner that was," and I, I think I realized that. Um, oh, I don't think we've talked about this yet. The fact that he wanted to film the entire thing in New Jersey, but because of mm -hmm. like certain tax laws, he could only afford like three days of shooting oh, in New Jersey. Funny. So, Where was the rest of it shot? Long Island. Oh. Which is sort of huh. if close you're gonna... enough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but, you know, the stuff that was shot in Jersey was shot very specifically locally. But I have a feeling that diner wasn't actually a Jersey diner. I couldn't find out. Well, um, my guess is if it were, it would have been one you grew up. It's like... It like would have been the Saddlebrook filmed... fucking diner where my parents had their first date, Andrea. Because, <laughs> like, if they filmed that movie, like, the South Jersey equivalent, if it were shot around three towns that yeah. I grew up in, I would be able to tell you on site if a diner yeah. even if they had redressed it like i would be able to tell you which diner it was so if you don't recognize it like that there's yeah. no way it was... they would have shot it at saddlebrook diner or something in paramus like suburban mm -hmm. but so meeting meeting bastard is kind of their turning point because they <laughs> she sees him at the cemetery when she's oh my god when she and nana are visiting pop pop's grave pop, and leaving pop. him a cookie puss. cookie puss cake jody again I, I'm, you said I'm pandering. almost crying. I, I cried. There were several times in that movie where I did that thing where I was like, I was so overcome with emo <laughs> with like joy that I cried. The like cookie more than does once. That, yeah. And again, you said pandering. I haven't said it yet. I'll say pandering. This movie is pandering. And it works. Pander. Pander yeah. away. I love it. I love it. 
I grew up around the corner from a Carvel. I just uh, yeah, you live in New Jersey. I know. Or, well, North you Jersey. You grew up in especially. New Jersey. Yeah, that fucking cookie puss. The like starting to melt look uh. of it. <laughs> oh my just, god! The plot, the bare bones plot of this movie, broken down, is maybe generic. Mm-hmm. I quite, it's quite literally generic in the way that generic comes from genre. Like yeah, but. The characters and the visual, like, all of that is so specific. and Like, like that image, Cookie Puss on Pop-Up's gravesite, like, is, it's, it feels so good because it's so, like, no, I have not had that experience, obviously. But it's one of those things where it's, like, the more specific something gets, in a way, the, like, (sighs) sort of like better it feels to be able to relate to it even if it's not do you know what i mean i do because i when i thought i was going to be married to a certain person was really insistent on um having a carvel ice cream cake at my wedding (laughs) um it's probably the only regret i have about not marrying that person is that i didn't get to have a carvel ice cream wedding cake um but yeah no it's I think the hard thing is there's like a couple of threads as there should be. There's like an A plot and a B plot and whatever, you know, there's the, her trying to become a successful rapper. There's the family's financial problems and Nana dying. And then there's the romance between her and bastard. And then also her friendship with Jerry and their little dip where she kind of calls him out for being over the top or too much or fake or whatever. All of which is just her lashing out. Cause she's, Oh, and I love when he calls her on it and just flat out says, like, no more of the negativity. It's fucking toxic. Because he's right. She is. I I love her. I care about her. She is an asshole, like, in in more than one Mm -hmm. more than one moment in this movie. And I I get where it comes from, of course. But but it is like, leave Jerry alone. He has been nothing but your biggest cheerleader. Like he continues to be when she fucks up the um, recording studio. A, like possibility like they go to this recording mm-hmm. studio in newark and she smokes with the guys there and can't handle it and it's like hallucinogenic and she's like seeing shit he like he gets mad at her for a second in the car and by the time he's dropping her off he's like all right we're at my house get some rest we'll get him next time like he's just so supportive he's and sweet such a, he's just so good he's a little he's... manic tr- manic pixie dream boy also he's a little bit like the the like young adult novel version of this movie is he's the like best friend if like if there were a book written from jerry's point of view he's the best friend who can't believe that he's got someone so cool who wants Mm -hmm. to hang out with him and all he's there to do is to be supportive and hype that person up i was half expecting him to be in love with her and i'm very glad he wasn't i love that they didn't yeah because that's like so I mean, we've talked about how this movie has a lot of obvious beats, but that would be too, like, introducing... I like the way they handled the romance in this, actually. Yeah. I think that it was that... That's such a good point. follow the sort of normal trajectory. The way it would would be he is a good friend and supportive and there for her because he's in love yep. with her. And she doesn't see it. And then she meets somebody who's, like cooler and more interesting and whatever and then and then we have to decide who we root for in that scenario and blah blah blah. but that's not what this is went right around that and i'm so happy Mm -hmm. like he is just a great friend he thinks she's incredibly talented he likes working with her they probably grew up together 
you know. And she calls him her soulmate in yeah. a way that it's obviously platonic and it's yeah. not it doesn't feel friend zone. It's yeah. not like she like he's like hearing that and part of him is hoping that she means that he she's no. in love with him too. It's it's not that at all. And then when when it becomes obvious that she and Bob bastard are <laughs> Bob I love him. Are um hooking up. He's like cute about it. He's like, oh, you think I don't see? Like, yeah, yeah. Uh, he said something about like romantic tension being good for the group. <laughs> Everybody's like, so good in this movie. I, I love know. every. Even we should. We haven't even talked about Bridget Everett yet, but we need to oh. because she is unbelievable in this movie. Again, the accent's a bit not quite that. I'm. I kind of like that it's hard for people to get the Jersey accent because it's I like, know. we're just, we're so unique. Well, you just I read, can't. If you didn't grow up with it, like you can get close, but you just, you just can't yeah. get it. So I read, I'm fine with it. I think I was looking at something on Reddit probably where they were like, nobody in New Jersey talks that way. And I'm like, well, it's close. Yeah. Like I, the, the person was saying like, it's so exaggerated that it's not real. And I'm like, no, no, no. There are people that have that super intense Jersey accent, including totally. in that neighborhood yeah. where I grew up, it exists, but it's just a little off. Yeah. It's, it's just not quite right, but it's close. And it's not that the, you can hear them trying to get it the whole time, mm-hmm. like trying yeah. to kind of capture. And there's moments where they do. And I think it's usually when they're not trying to, when they're like letting their speech pattern just kind of follow mm-hmm. what they've taught themselves. Because there's there's definitely some moments when you said Bridget Everett, I don't remember exactly where, but there's some moments where I'm like, Ugh, ooh, okay, you push that a little too hard. Uh, but I'm like, you know what? Good for you for trying. Yeah, you're just not going to get it, and that's it's okay. Hard. And you're so the the like people getting. I find it too. I get a lot of um, the algorithm feeds me a lot of people making fun of the like Philly and Delco <laughs> Delaware County accents, which are different. The algorithm feeds you people making fun of you. <laughs> yeah that's that's that that's not that good, actually Andrea. says a lot about me that's not good um, Andrea. but but it does and always in the comments are people like oh i grew up in philly i've never heard that accent and i'm like you're just being defensive yes you have yes you have yeah. some people have that accent to that degree yeah like yeah and it's not everybody certainly and i would bet a lot of them are leaning into it because it makes them feel unique yeah. and special and i'm okay with that yeah but it is it is here like it, it, yeah. it just is well and so since we're talking about the accents i read um a little bit with danielle mcdonald talking about the process of doing this because as we said she's australian um and it said she spent four months honing her jersey accent with help from dialect coach tim monich um And she said, Tim interviews people from all over the world and gives the recordings to his actors. Jasper says he goes through the script and breaks things down phonetically. He has a whole library of people from Lodi, New Jersey, just having conversations about their family. I need. I was going to say you to hear these. My aunt is married to an Italian man from Lodi. (laughs) And I'll bet he sounds like a fucking cartoon character. His whole family. Like, Like they're all from Lodi. It wouldn't surprise me if they were people that they had tapes of. <laughs> like, it's a big Italian family from Lodi. So they did everything they could to try to make that work. And I yeah, think they got, like, 90 we're just too special and unique. 90%. You're just never going to... Yeah, yeah. You're just never going to get 100. Yeah. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah. 
Oh, the other thing I wanted to say about the Jersey shooting part, since I've got this in front of me. So they had three days of actual location filming in New Jersey, but he added a secret day, meaning that he shot when he wasn't legally supposed to. Uh, um, no, it's a, <laughs> I love the idea that he's like, it's just it's a, a secret, secret day. day. That's different. Yeah. It's our little secret. Uh-huh. A second <laughs> unit exterior shooting to better capture Patty's habitat. Um. And then it says, Ms. Mr. Jasper also recently returned to the Garden State to shoot a promotional music video for the film with Miss McDonald and the character as Patty. Um, so, yeah. I'll a, link to that in the show notes because yeah, it's, oh, it's so good. wonderful. Um, we haven't mentioned yet the director, Jeremy Jasper, as we said, from Hillsdale, but also um, was in a band um, in his early 20s and then went on to direct music videos for like Florence and the Machine for um oh yeah selena gomez for love you like a love song he did that one as well cool um and you can tell that he there's a little bit of him in uh in patty for sure in that he grew up wanting to be a musician he wrote all the music that patty performs um he wrote all the raps he wrote all the all that he wrote tough love like (laughs) tough love it's i there's something so fun we have it in empire records too of like the fake song that still has to be because like it's a lena uh, ford song it's so and and they tell you because she does kiss me deadly at one point um and so it has to you know she it's like lena ford it's heart it's yep yeah and it's got to be close enough that you recognize it as that and it (sighs) And I have such a it. soft spot for that little section of music. Oh, totally. Oh, my God. Yeah, that And you can tell record. Bridget Everett does, too. Oh, she's yeah. Like, yeah. She just, she's so in that character. And just to remind people, if uh, I've recommended somebody somewhere a couple of times, um, the HBO show that Bridget Everett mm-hmm. just did, there's two seasons of it on Max or whatever now. Um, it's so good. And she's so good. And she has such a interesting and unique voice um and i i think i read somewhere that uh the director uh jeremy jasper was like excited to write for her insane voice uh-huh because it's wild the first i knew of bridget everett i i saw her she was um the i i don't they don't really do these too much anymore i don't think and thank god i i don't care don't go to uh like arena or stadium tour or whatever um for a comedy festival oh it's a night it's a nightmare it's just not the way to see comedy but in 2015 i went to the oddball comedy fest and the i'd never heard of bridget everett before she is i'm telling you when i say she's the only one who's set i remember well Mm -hmm. that like i could tell you jokes that and like things that she did and when i say like the people on this uh on this bill it was Nikki Glazer, Jay Farrow, Michael Che, Anthony Jeselnik, Nick Kroll, David Tell, John Mullaney, Amy Schumer, Aziz, Ans- Aziz Ansari, and Bridget Everett. Wow. And I, like, a couple of those in there are still, like, yeah. are comedians I really love. And I could not tell you a single joke any one of them told except for Bridget Everett. She stole that show. I believe it. I was familiar with her from, I think, from other podcasts, to be honest. I listen to a lot of comedy podcasts, and she's mm-hmm. popped on them here and there. She's sort of right. a, a favorite of other comedians of of a certain grouping. Um, and I think I'd seen her in 
one or two other like guest spots and always found her interesting in her like looseness and mm-hmm. freedom yeah in her performances Free- yeah totally you know? that's a really great way to describe her I yeah think. so in this she is and it's so funny so i know you haven't seen somebody somewhere but she's playing in that show someone who's lost a sister and is kind of lost herself and kind of depressed trying to figure out what to do with her life um and she plays sort of a similar lost character here but with a bit more anger behind it this stuff with the mom and the grandma like (sighs) i know i know there's no dad in this movie no right there's a lot of the cliches we've talked about like alcoholic parent the the stuff with her sort of holding on to her youth rejecting her daughter's um sort of aspirations because they're threatening to her Mm -hmm. the jealousy the bitterness about the things she didn't get to do the fact that she outright says to her daughter like it's your fault that i didn't have a career because i got pregnant Mm -hmm. like all of that was pretty uh rough pretty poignant um, well, that's what I mean about some of this movie being really grim. Like, their relationship yeah. is hard to it's watch. rough. Especially because th- one of the things that feels, that makes it where it's not just a cliche, right? Because we've seen that kind of, but it's like they do have love for each other. Yeah, they, when she watches her mom do karaoke, like, I, that was one of the first times I I got kind of choked up when she's watching mm-hmm. her mom sing that heart song. Yeah. And, and then immediately also, holding her head while she <laughs> throws up in the toilet. It, it feels it does feel more real it again it is a total cliche we've seen it but it feels like one of those things where it's like well it's a cliche because sometimes it's true you know what i mean like cliches come from something real and that's what that felt like to me also we had that kitchen table when i was growing up um (gasps) oh god i mean and the like the multiple generations living in the house together. Like I didn't have that personally, but that's super familiar. Super I did. Familiar. Yeah. yeah. I, I grew up in a house with my grandparents. Right. Yeah. And my mom. And like the, I feel like that's and also. And that kitchen table. <laughs> I feel like that's also a thing though, that um, not the kitchen table, but the fact that, um, you know, the mom, the grandma passes on certain negative characteristics or personality traits to the the daughter and then the daughter Mm -hmm. passes that on to her daughter but the grandmother and the daughter don't have that right because they don't they didn't directly you know one didn't raise the other directly in that way and so they're they're missing the toxic part of that Mm -hmm. relationship it's like because you know that her mom isn't the way that she is bridget everett's character just for no reason exactly like you know that she she even says at some point like yeah your mom said i said i sounded like a two-bit tramp or something Mm -hmm. you know or your grandma and it's like oh okay comes from somewhere oh oh right generational trauma right so that's also what's going on in this movie yeah and it's right there and god the medical bills part like it makes me so stressed out to think about the number i mean if you've never had a collector calling your house repeatedly good congrats yeah because i have and that is not a fun experience um just like the when she has 
Well, and when she has the stroke and it's like they were barely hanging on. Yeah. And before now that. And now. And she's and like another thing that's like, right, this is a family that is deeply troubled, has a lot of issues and loves each other because she said like um, Patty says, what are we going to do? And her mm-hmm. mom's like, well, I'll open another credit card. We'll move things around to see if that buys us any time. And she says, open another credit card. And, you know, it's not going to be enough. It's Mm-mm. like she says, like, we'll see if that buys her any time. And it's it's not going to. I mean, there's a little bit of an unrealistic sort of idea of medical uh, debt and insurance in this and in that it's so much worse than right, they make it right. sound like you can't just open a credit card to cover like any medical bill because it's going to be so much worse than you think it's going to be. Right. And um, it's also not really how medical not debt how it works. works. No. Like they're not taking like she's like, can I pay you for two days? Like, right. It's not That's really not really how it works. <laughs> Yeah, they but, you don't pay up front. They yeah, just hound you for the rest of your life. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but you've got to illustrate that issue some way, and and because this movie works the way it does, that threat has to be one that continues to grow across yeah. the course of the movie, and that's also, how they do that. When do we think this takes place? Because I don't think it's immediate present. It is hard. It is very hard to tell because she has a flip phone. I know. And we don't see any other cell phones. And they're watching that. It. This is another like the the we haven't really. I mean, we're talking about the medical debt. This movie is so much about class mm-hmm. that like they're watching an old tube TV. Mm-hmm. And that could be because it's. 1999 i guess or because but it could also broke. be that these are yeah we had a black lower... and white tv in our basement for way yeah. longer than you know was I, normal my tv well i had my like i had a floor console tv again like you said in our basement i like specifically remember watching like conan on it mm-hmm. when i convinced my um family that my room should be in our unfinished basement nice um and then I eventually saved up and got myself a better that. TV. <laughs> I tried oh, to get them to let me have them in the basement and they wouldn't let me have it. I had a pretty feral, lawless upbringing. So it was more of the like well, the basement, needing them to help me move the stuff down there was like the biggest issue. The basement in our house in high school had a separate exit. And oh, so they were like, I didn't uh-uh. have that. Right. But that's, that's still how yeah. I snuck out. I went down the basement. Um, anyway. Yeah. yeah. But uh, and then I put the better TV on top of the the console tv um amazing but uh but but so it is really hard to tell i'm trying to think if there's anything that really because so much of that she's listening to the the radio which feels like a none of the cars seem new but again is that just i know it could just be where she is but i don't i don't think that it's supposed to be 20 17 right i don't i think and partly the the weird roundabout reason i got to this is because i remember the difference oh we're gonna get into obamacare now andrea (laughs) i remember oh that's hold on this is what you're about to say is actually is really smart go ahead uh thank you so much um (laughs) oh can we just i didn't mean to say actually really smart no let's it's just like um No, but like pre-Obamacare and post-Obamacare are actually two different worlds. Obamacare has Mm -hmm. its problems. We're not going to get into that. That's fine. Uh, Things are too expensive. Uh, Should have been public option. Anyway, um, but 
pre-Obamacare was when I graduated college and my dad was like, you have to get a job with health insurance because that is the only way that you can get some prescriptions covered, blah, blah, blah. Right. And if you don't have health insurance, you don't have health insurance. There is no Medicaid option. There is no public, uh, you know, or marketplace or whatever. And so it was only always tied to your job. And so she's not working any insured jobs. And obviously her mom works in a salon and isn't getting insurance from that either. So it wasn't like if you're super poor, you can have some shitty version of health insurance that only has catastrophic coverage, right. which is the you case now. Don't. You can get it. It just It's crap. But it will keep you from, if you're really, really poor, from some of the more – some of the stuff that I think that's happening in this movie – which is why I think this is pre-Obamacare. I think... I think I'm I pinpointing think it's a pre-2008. Right. It does say a lot about New Jersey and that I'm like, or it could be 2017. Who knows? Yeah. No, I think you're I think you're totally right. Yeah. I mean, the flip phone is the clue, but I, I think that the... I think there's other clues in there. It is so funny that it didn't... I saw flip phone and I thought, oh, poor. <laughs> like... That Which is, is also possible, but I do think that there is, like... Some stuff that feels very class-tied or, like, stuff that feels very real and specific in a way that I love is f one of the things is that, like, Patty drives that car, which, whether it's 2008 or 2017, that is an old... I love that for, car. That's, that's the, Patty the car. Kate's license plate. I drove a, an Oldsmobile Cutlass Sierra, so not nice. the exact same thing, but basically, and it was that color. I drove um, a Chevy Corsica that was tan. <laughs> These cars are amazing. Mine was a 93 in 2001, I guess, is yeah. when I, 2002, I would have started driving. I had a Plymouth um, Turismo. My family had a Duster uh, and a Pinto and course. a Hornet. A GMC Hornet. <laughs> Look up a GM, G, GMC Hornet. Wild car. All the worst and, cars. But she has vanity plates, which mm -hmm. aren't cheap, but they're not expensive. Like, yeah. it's just like a thing where, like, she saved up a little bit of money. Yeah for vanity plates on her car that was 20 years old yeah. like it's so that is so to me jersey lower middle class yeah like i loved it yeah i loved it's it getting so fancy much. rims on a car that has no muffler you know yeah exactly I, yeah. it made me it made me so happy i yeah. was like that is that's amazing he referenced uh jeremy jasper also referenced saturday night fever as one of his influences for this movie because of its he calls it the restless bridge and tunnel longing a sense that something better was out there. They he does again. This is obviously somebody who grew up in the area and lived a life that feels close to the movie he's shooting. That like so much of this movie is shot with the New York skyline in the background. Yeah. So I, I said we were going to just briefly touch on that because you know, you you down in South Jersey, you had your view of uh, some trees and some raccoons. <laughs> And I will say, so just to geographically, South Jersey, Burlington County, you're not seeing a city skyline. That is Camden County. I Philly. can see, but I could also take Patco to Philly for $3 in five minutes. I could, I could walk the Ben Franklin Bridge if I really wanted and be in Philly in an hour. Yeah. Like it's, it is a very, and I think we, we have talked about this. Yep. It is very different from, yep. here's another way you know that 
um, this movie is probably set a little further back, is that Bastard says he's going to get out of Jersey by hopping the trains because he doesn't, I guess he doesn't have a car, but like you could just Uber at this point. Right. Like it's not that hard to get away. Yeah. But no, he's going to hop on New Jersey Transit at the Plotterville Mm -hmm. station. That's that's in Garfield. (laughs) Um, That's probably the closest New Jersey Transit station to where he's based. Although he's in Clifton at Gates of Hell, so I could be wrong, but. Oh, the Gates of Hell. I just. I know. I know. We'll get there. We'll get there. Um, That's the. That's the journey into the fucking under, like, literal journey. You like, just we... talked about this. Ha! <sighs> yes. Joseph motherfucking Campbell, this kid went to film school. He just did. Or he was an English major. <laughs> like, it's one or the other. Like, I just... It's literally a journey into the underworld. I she know. literally passes through the gates of hell. Yep. I just... That's yep. so fun. It feels so good to see it. It just feels it good. It does feel good anyway, to see it. Why was I? Why am I screaming? Oh, because you said we're trying to place where they are. Yeah. Well, important to. Re- I mean, the best thing about Bob slash bastard is that his dad's a fucking lawyer, and, and he went he's to living in a Catholic, <laughs> and he's living in a shack in the woods because it's cool. <laughs> like, and he's not doing it because he doesn't have a choice. When he runs away, he goes home. Yep. Like, yep. Um, Jeremy and Jasper... colored contacts aren't cheap. No. <laughs> Jeremy Jasper is exactly my age. He was born about two weeks after me. Oh, I love that. Me too. This movie was literally made for you. It was. <laughs> like... It was. Um, and I also think there's something to be said, and we can maybe get into this a bit more. In terms of the specificity, he says, every single location, every setting in the film would have been in a two-mile radius in New Jersey, and it makes me insane, Mr. Jasper said, shaking his head and his fist in anger at the severely unpopular Mr. Christie. <laughs> This was this was in 2017 when Chris uh-huh. Christie was in charge. Um, yeah. Should we talk about the a uh, little more about Bastard? Yeah, I would love to only talk about Bastard. I love him so much. I know that he's supposed to be. So there's a quote that I wanted to read from the Roger Ebert article that says. Um, the supporting character, an African-American anti-establishment punk metal solo artist named Bastard who lives in a secret hideout in a state park that looks like the musical version of a madman's laboratory in a horror film. <laughs> Bastard speaks... sculpture of the Jersey Devil. Oh, my God. <laughs> Another moment where I almost cried. It's so good. I mean, for those who haven't been listening since the beginning of this podcast, normally when I'm not in the middle of the country, I record with a hand-tufted rug... Of the Jersey Devil behind me every There's week. a line in the movie after that that made me... That like, I made, that, by the way. That, yeah. And it's incredible and I love it more than anything. There is a moment when they're rapping where they say the line is something about like being like the Jersey Devil cursed from birth. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, that's yeah. it. Yeah. Like even our cryptid. Even yeah. our cryptid is like put upon... Like I just... I know. <sighs> Well, and that's the thing, because he wrote all of the lyrics and all of the raps and stuff, like there's so many references in them that are really Mm -hmm. fun. What I really wanted and my like secret hope for Bob before you find out that he's just a local kid who has was I was like, I I want him to be from South Jersey. I want him to be because he's living in the woods. He's like the Jersey Devil is he's Jersey's cryptid, but the Jersey Devil lives in South Jersey. He lives in the Pine Barrens. So like I really loved the idea of him like. It's like making his way north to get to New York, but really being a weird little South Jersey. 
I want to like, say yeah. that I want that for you, but I really don't. I, no. I just want him to go to Burton Catholic and I have understand. a lawyer for a father. It is a better, it's for this movie and for that character, yeah. though. It is so funny and so good and so real. Yeah. He's not a runaway. No. He's just hanging, like, not really, because he goes home. Yeah. Yeah. Like, he the to, the other part of that quote is bastard speaks in a low distant oh, voice that conveys immense but highly theatricalized hurt his backstory once mm-hmm. revealed only partly succeeds in making him seem less like a white suburban filmmaker's fantasy of a tortured black musical genius yes. he's the most schematic and in many ways preposterous character in the film which i do agree with it you know the whiteness of this movie is something that is unavoidable like mm-hmm. and i am like the white lady from New Jersey who grew up listening to Public Enemy. Like I am a fucking cliche too. Like so right. are all of my friends. We were all white right. kids listening to rap, thinking that we were like relating to it, which of mm-hmm. course we we were not really. Right. I mean, like in you know, we hated the cops, but that's about right. it. Um so there is definitely the race thing is addressed in this, but I think when we're talking about bastard, there is sort of a also a little bit of like He's well, the yeah. Go ahead. The the race thing is addressed, but it is still at the end of the day, a white guy from Jersey making a movie about a white rapper right. from Jersey. So it's like, and I will say, I was a lot more worried about that when I first heard mm-hmm. of this movie than I was after right. I watched it. Like, I think that right. he's fully aware of that. Um, and I do think that like bastard and oz the character we haven't really talked about yet but the the rapper that she idolizes are a little bit of like fantasy characters in a Mm -hmm. way um but he does oz oz does mm -hmm. call her on it in that scene that is calls her a cultural culture vulture yeah Yeah. that scene is hard to watch i was so mad at her i was like this is the worst choice you could make how could you possibly think that this is gonna go over of course they're an alpine that's the other thing to literally today when i woke up and did my doom scrolling on instagram um one of the first things i was served was a northjersey.com article that showed me all the mansions of the uh sports figures that live in alpine and and northern jersey yeah that's that's i mean even down here that's what i know about alpine is that it is just full of rich celebrities yep but yeah even with those sort of little kim ja rule Stevie Wonder, Chris Rock, Doesn't Tracy Jay-Z Morgan. Have a house there? I think, uh, or maybe Jay-Z, it's not Alpine, but I think at least did. Yeah. Um, apparently, also Kellyanne Conway at some point, yeah, lived there. Yeah. Um, so it's like it's not all good people. <laughs> but yeah, Alpine and Upper Montclair or Montclair um, and Upper Saddle River and Franklin Lakes. Those are like the places that these people all live. And Mm -hmm. the thing that's realistic about this movie. Joe Piscopo. Joe Piscopo. Nixon had a house in, I think, like Montclair or Upper Saddle River. Um, Britney Spears? Really? Not now, but apparently at one point did. Huh. But see, the realistic part of this movie that you may not know if you don't, if you're not from this area, is that she lives in the like Lodi saddlebrook paramus triangle area and yes she can get to alpine for a catering job pretty easily like that distance physically is not nearly as far as you might think it had to be class-wise 
that is absolutely the case for New yeah. Jersey top to bottom. Yeah. Is that like And everything's so tight together in so, northern yeah. Jersey that it's like, you know, I moved from this is getting so specific. I moved from Saddleburg to Glenrock between uh middle school and high school. And it's literally two towns. There's one town mm-hmm. in between, Fairlawn. So incredibly different in terms of class professions of the parents sizes of the houses like just literally a 15 to 20 minute drive one town in the middle night and day new jersey geographically and socioeconomically is fascinating in a way that like yeah is we're literally the only state in in the country where every single county no matter you know we joke about south jersey and like some of it being kind of like country and uh and it is, but we're the only state in the country where every single county is designated as a metropolitan area. Mm. And because of that, like that kind of social stratification is it's I mean, it's literally everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's true. I mean, like I'm in the middle of the country right now and it's beautiful out here, but man, is everything spread out? Right. Oh, my God. Um, I think that so. What are some other things we want to, because there's so much to talk. I could do this for four hours, but I know um, because there's so much. We didn't talk about Barb having sex with the cop and being in his (laughs) band. So singing backup, falling off the bar. Like so perfectly like small ish town. Like it just all of that. The catering company that she's working for. Where the office. How many friends did you have who worked for a catering company? I worked for a catering company. (laughs) Not that I didn't, one. but I know so many people not, who did. Not for very long, but I did briefly um, because it's an easy temporary job. Um, the Again, nobody cares about this but me, but the office where she meets him is in the Pathmark Shopping Center in Lodi that is like a few doors down from Satin Dolls, which is Bada Bing and The Sopranos. Like it's – I there was a – I got bagels there like the, one of the last few times I was in Jersey. Like it's near the DMV where I got my license. Um the Lodi DMV was terrible. <laughs> um, but yeah, the catering job. Is that the DMV where Finelli passed out? I'm trying to remember. Probably. When we talked about, there's an episode of New Jersey is the World where we spent a lot of time talking about DMVs in Jersey. And I think that's the one where Finelli passed out waiting. It wouldn't surprise me because I think most Bergen County people from a certain generation all got their licenses at the Lodi DMV. Amazing. Also, the fact that like their first gig is at a strip club on Route 4. <laughs> so cheaters so funny yeah i guess what we do need to talk about is so what i like i was gonna say what i like about this movie is if we haven't just been heaping praise upon it all this time but the thing is there are moments where it would be easy for patty to succeed and he doesn't let her Mm -hmm. and you think Again, if you're not attuned to a kind of movie like this, to these plot points, you think what's going to happen is she fails at that recording studio. They fail at the strip club. Mm -hmm. Then there's the rap battle. It's two weeks to the big show. Yep. And in front of OZ, the, you know, who put her down, who put her her down. Exactly. Her mom is there. They get the band back together. That's the, you know, the, the low point. The band yep. is broken up. Her nan is dead. They get the band back together. Her and mom. Sh- she kind of discards her previous persona as Killa P and like 
has her mom cut her hair, mm-hmm. dyes it blonde, gets like a fur coat. She's mm-hmm. like embracing her white trashness. She's trying yep. not to be a culture vulture while still engaging in this black art. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, so it's, it's, you're set it up, you're set up for this like triumphant end. And you get it, right. but you get it a slightly different. Yeah. Cadence. She loses to somebody else. Yeah. Um, and, and she loses. And probably but, should have, but. Right. But her performance is the best we've seen it be. Yeah. She it's the uses, most authentic. She, yeah. She samples her mom's song, Tough Love, you know, really beautiful because she finds it mm-hmm. in the trash. Her mom has discarded this thing that yep. was like a symbol she'd been holding on to as well. Yep. She samples it. Her mom's there to see it. Her mom sings it with her. So oh, there's this moment of reconciliation. Yep. And it's she's singing it to her daughter. She's not really performing it for the crowd yep. so much as she is They're making for eye contact. Patty. It's really beautiful. Everybody's, you know, impressed. And and it is that thing where the the performance starts with some mic feedback. Yeah. It's not going well at first. They're getting ready to boo her off the stage. She wins the crowd over. Yeah. You think there's a chance that she's going to win, and she doesn't. I'm so glad she didn't. So glad she didn't win. Yeah, that would not like, have Like, that been... would have been... No. No. But, but, then, but then... And, and they're okay with it, though. Yeah. She's lost... Oh, here's a little note that I love. Is that, is that Jerry is always driving her car. Yeah. That's such a, like, best friends with shitty cars thing to do. Yeah. Like... Yeah, it's just just let him drive your car. Who cares? Yep. (laughs) And he pulls up and they go off and it's Patty, Bastard and Jerry Jerry. in that spot where they have hung out a million times and they're fine. Overlooking the New York skyline. mm -hmm. And it's it's beautiful and it's lovely. And that could have maybe been where this movie ends. But but we needed a little more fan service, a little more, a little more, you, you know you got to end on an uplifting note of hope. Yep. And it's, if you remember, DJ French Tips, MC aka Light. MC Light, who we met early on for just a moment. At a bar mitzvah as the At DJ. A bar mitzvah. Oh, God. Perfect. Yeah. And she finally listened to the demo. And she plays she, oh, it. Oh, wait. Hold on. I fucked up. What? We, we meet MC Light. Or MC Light comes back. She's who gets... Oh yes, she's who gets Patty. her the gets her into the battle that is the right. finale piece. So so we know that MC Light is or the DJ French Tips is aware mm-hmm. and is like you know she she's, she's, she says it's rough as hell. She's right, the demo's rough yeah. as hell, but it's kind of hot. I think is what she says. Yeah. Um. And so then at the end, they're they're listening again to the radio, which is more proof for your theory that this movie is older. They play PB and J song DJ French Tips over the radio. Yeah. Yeah. So you have to think that they're going to get some some local play, you know. Yeah. It could go it could go the the best possible way. It could kind of peter out, who knows, but they get their triumphant moment while looking at the New York City skyline, which, mm-hmm. you know, there's a <laughs> there's a lot of points in the area of New Jersey that I grew up in where you're at the crest of a highway mm-hmm. and you see the city. And it's just like it's just tauntingly there, but also feels so fucking far away. That's right. the thing that I think this movie kind of gets is this idea that you can be 40 minutes less than that from the city and you can still look at the skyline and think that is another world that mm-hmm. I have no access to. Right. Even even now, like there are people that grow up 40 minutes from the city that like never go in. Right. I was lucky in that my mom was like, 
<laughs> my mom grew up rich. I did not. My mom grew up rich, though, and she kind of carried that attitude into our life, mm-hmm. which didn't have the finances to really support it. But she was still like, we're going to go experience all the cultural things, even if we mm-hmm. don't have the money to do it. And I'll just put right. us in debt forever, like whatever, <laughs> you know. Um, so I didn't necessarily see the city as inaccessible, but it still can feel that way when you grow up seeing it all the time, but not going in. Right, right. Because it's yeah. expensive and hard mm-hmm. to get to. And at the time when I was growing up, it was also kind of like, well, we talked about this last week with Times Square. It was like, you know, not always super safe. Right. And Patty's not leaving her mom is no. the thing. Like, is because Patty is hardworking. <laughs> like, she, mm-hmm. you know, there's that whole thing with the catering company where she's working her butt off for it. Mm-hmm. But that money is going right to taking care of her mom in the house. Yep. So it's not just a matter of Patty can work hard and leave. That's not, right. that's not what is holding her back. Here. At one point, she says, when she's fighting with her mom, like, I see why dad left and I'm going mm-hmm. to, too, as soon as I can. And you know that's not right. true. No, of course not. She's not going to leave her like that. No. Yeah. So it's... The higher there's the a lot that, that makes New York this, like, symbol of hope, but also, yeah. like you said, to feel totally inaccessible. Yeah. Oh. I just... Obviously, it's not a perfect movie. No movie is. Right. But there's just so, I mean, there's so many local references that make us, that make us happy. But also, I do think that there's, like when I said I was worried about this movie when I first realized it was about a white female rapper from New Jersey, because mm-hmm. that's, I mean, that's a thing. Like a lot of the guys, especially that I grew up with that were white were very Danny. Right. right? Oh my God. So, you know, yeah. so many, so Dannys. many. Well, and I think part of that is like, again, growing up in Jersey where like I, we, we've talked about this drink every time one of us says growing up in Jersey. <laughs> well, because it's, it's like, what am I, you know how you will meet somebody who's like, there was only one black student in my class. Yeah, there was me. only I didn't I didn't meet a Jewish person. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's interesting. There was, I was one black student. Well, you're you're about to ruin my point. Then. <laughs> but you know, it's from it's from the the specific county you grew up in is different, right? And it's like it just that wasn't that wasn't my experience at all. Yeah. And because of that, I think there are a lot of white kids who grow up thinking they can understand and relate to the black experience because they didn't grow up so separated. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, you don't have access and like ownership over somebody else's experience just because you grew up next to it. Yeah. But I think that it that gets blurred for a lot of white kids in Jersey. There's a lot of like complicated stuff going on here that I think is... That feels like an honest reflection in this movie. Mm-hmm. Like, and that can be an uncomfortable thing, right? Like an honest mm-hmm. reflection of that, that sort of like white appropriation of black culture. Right, it's not right. a comfortable thing to talk about, but it's a real thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Also, can we talk about how terrible most of the men are in this movie that are older and at the bar? Yeah, they're. Oh, but, but it's an so... old white guy in dreads with a Jamaican accent. 
at Halloween. <sighs> that guy, and he's like, he's. I think he's the same guy who who um, kindly invites. Patty to sit on his lap mm-hmm. earlier in the movie. Yep. These like gross old men just being totally inappropriate, but it just being like, that's part of their character. And yeah. we just allow it is also very real. Like, yeah. And that like local bar feel where like that. Yeah. That local bar feel is. Is like, that supposed you just to know... be in Bayonne? <laughs> oh, well, that's oh. where Barb's from. Oh. Or well, that's where Nana's from, at least. Yeah. There is a small moment. I am so sorry if we have any listeners left that aren't from New Jersey. I'm so sorry that we're doing this, but they've all they've all, they've all left. left by now, and that's fine. That's fine. I'm I'm sorry. Um, there is a moment where Patty pulls up to the bar for her shift, and there's a Raceway Park commercial on the radio. <laughs> Raceway Park. I fucking died. So specific. This movie knows exactly what it is. Yeah, it does. In just about every way. That. That local bar thing. My dad was a bartender at VFW for oh my years, God. for years. And I would go visit underage, absolutely, and hang out. I would go on Sunday nights and watch X-Files on the tiny little bar TV mm-hmm. and go visit visit my dad. And like, and then he had a bar that he would, that I would sometimes go with him to that wasn't where he bartended, where the like, um, the bartender who was also the cook you know what i mean like mm-hmm. he'd like disappear for a few minutes and come back out with french fries would give me like a roll of quarters to play the pinball machines so like, you would go to a bar everybody... with your dad and i would yeah. go to aa meetings with mine <laughs> my dad was a functional alcoholic so he didn't really fuck with meetings you know yeah he kind of had his shit together yeah yeah no i went to the meetings that's so nice <laughs> yeah i also went uh, to my dad's workplace with him though he worked in retail and i used to on saturdays when my mom would be doing something i don't know what i would have to mm-hmm. go to the store with him and just hang out with all the sneakers in the that feels basement. so my dad was a cop until he retired so i couldn't go to work yeah. with my dad but my mom was a deli worker like that was mm-hmm. she had a cup my mom didn't have like a career she like when i was very young she worked in um uh like a few different pet like why can't i think of what do you call pet right what do you call like an animal shelter a shelter i was like orphanage that's not it (laughs) a pet orphanage animal shelters in like pet rescue and then for some reason her career naturally shifted into deli work and i spent a lot of weekends hanging out at the deli yeah like that was that was very much my um my dad worked my, at the sporting goods my, store. Yeah. And I just hung out there. They let me like play with the cash register. They let me go to the basement to pick up to get like sizes for people. Mm-hmm. They let me. I was a child laborer. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you know, they let me help. Yeah. That's yeah, exactly. Yeah. I haven't thought about that in so long. But they I would like get set up in the back room with my like homework for the weekend. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, the baker who like made donuts for the place would like sneak me little treats and stuff. Yeah. I can't believe I really haven't thought about that since. Yeah. I used to go to so work with funny. my dad. I also, when we went to, so <laughs> my parents met and I, I not supposed to do that. Um, but I would go to <laughs> meetings with them. I would bring my homework and I would mm-hmm. drink milk that was supposed to be for coffee. Right. And eat cookies that they'd left out. Mm-hmm. You know, it was very wholesome. Yeah. Sort of. I love that. Um, but anyway, that bar We've devolved. <laughs> yeah. That bar and the Raceway Park commercial. Um <laughs> all of the ways that they refer to bastard 
at one point um i think it's jerry says what's good with the prince of darkness so funny there's there's the scene i really love how spooky and how i love so when she shows up at his little shack Mm -hmm. she's it's like it's so spooky it's so funny spooky and they are not like they're fine i just love how weird they let him be yeah and she's not intimidated at all by the fact that she's no. followed this strange man to a shack in the woods where he lives with the sculpture of the Jersey Devil. Yeah. She's just like, so can you help me with my or recording? Not. And he says no. He really yeah. is the manic pixie dream boy mm-hmm. big time in this movie because he doesn't even and she calls him out on it at one point or she's shitty about it. She insults him for it because he doesn't really talk much. Yeah. Um. And then and then, OK, the thing that is especially silly is when she finally find not silly the thing that is like a little eye rolly is when she does find him after they've slept together and he's like introducing her to his dead mother mm-hmm. he's taken out his piercings and cut his hair and he's yep. not wearing his contacts yep. it's the real bob right at that point yep yep it's a little mm-hmm. eye rolly but I, my belief is that his dad was like, you can come home, but you're taking out the fucking piercings. Yeah, take that <laughs> shit out like, of your eye. Right. And it, and that's the thing of, like, he can, you know, he has the ability, again, to go home and be supported. And that's, you know. You know what my background should have been for this? What? The photos I've taken on an overpass over Route 46, which is a character <laughs> in this movie. You fucked up. I fucked it's up. It's almost like New Jersey's a character in it's this movie. It's almost like Route 46 is a character in this movie. I'm in the gates of hell, which are for our listeners who aren't from Jersey. None of you are left a real place mm-hmm. in New Jersey. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. Ugh. There's so much Route 46 in this movie. I mean, so... In terms of the cliches thing, just to kind of loop back around, because I do feel like we're getting a little like into reminiscing and mm-hmm. about New Jersey and, and less talking about well, the Well, you movie. know how like famous actors will do the big budget movie so they can do one that's just for them? Yeah, this is the one that's just for us. This is the one that's just for us. Yeah, I apologize, but I also don't. Um, I need to know. Okay, we have to interview him. Yes. Because I need to find out if this exact overpass... That I was standing on when I took this photo is the one he filmed from because, Andrea, this is really important. Andrea, this is important. I'm listening. Okay. Okay. So down here where I'm uh-huh. pointing, uh-huh. that's where Excelsior is. Right there. Oh. Well, right, then right where, there. Else, where else would he film from? Right? This has to be it. Well, what else could it be? That's the Saddlebrook Mall. <laughs> I used to walk over this overpass and then either to the Saddlebrook Mall or to Franklin Elementary up the hill. Yeah, you have mentioned that overpass on other Yeah, um, it's a very important overpass to me. It's where... Independent of this movie. It's where my little friends, when we were in eighth grade, I didn't do this because I didn't spray paint stuff, but would spray paint... You got in trouble with those kids. You know how I know? Because you called them your little friends. My little friends. Would spray yeah, paint... you and your little friends, Jody. Would spray paint Youth Gone Wild. Because they were... <laughs> Skid Row. Stop. <laughs> the cheesiness is so embarrassing. I didn't do. Oh I didn't do that. God. I just lit stuff on fire with hairspray. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think we're kind of devolving here, but um, okay. So let's try to like find a way to wrap this up that doesn't involve us just talking about like our dad's jobs, even though I think that that's <laughs> honestly. 
A lot of Whatever. that's going to stay in for yeah. this episode. This, I think is, this is the to. episode where this stuff is appropriate. Yeah, exactly. It's it's related. It's it's why I think we both, regardless of any sort of like cliched plot points, I think it's why both of us really enjoyed this movie. I did watch it more than once. This is again in in the way that it's hard to be critical of yourself. Yeah, I I, I struggle to be critical of this movie. I think it. I mean, isn't living in a shack in the woods in, in near the gates of hell kind of the dream? That's, I genuinely, when she walked into that, I was like, that's cool as hell. I wanted <laughs> like, to, yeah, that, I would have loved that to live there for <laughs> when I was mm-hmm. that age. Mm-hmm. So I think if you happen to be listening to this and haven't seen the movie, which I cannot imagine you would want to do, you should definitely watch it. Yes. <laughs> A hundred percent. I mean, if you want to understand where I come from in my like first 13 years of life, this is. Well, especially knowing that you guys are the same age. Yeah, we're exactly the same age. It just. It's that now I get it. What what year would you have been 23? Oh, great question. Okay. Thank you so much. Uh, (laughs) uh, So we were both born in 75. So we would have been. 1998 or nine which is which, around the time you were thinking that that flip phone yeah and... you know i think that i think we may be onto something i i think that it probably took place in the late 90s theoretically um due to the phone the cars the overall vibe the radio all that stuff mm-hmm. the idea of new york being even like less accessible to a North Jersey kid than it is now. Yeah. That feels right. It does. Yeah. Cause I, yeah, I was 23 in 1999. And it's also kind of the height of like white rappers. Cause when did, Oh, when did eight mile come out? Well, when did um, Slim Shady LP was 1999. There it is. So I think we cracked it. I, I think, think we, we cracked, cracked it. Yeah. And I mean, Danny definitely wants to be Eminem, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Except he's not good at rapping. No. No. God, the way everybody loves him is so funny. It's so accurate. There's that one kid who's like adjacent to traditionally good looking. Mm -hmm. I mean, I guess he's traditionally good looking, but like he has that icky mustache. and Well, he's styled for this movie so that we don't think he's that we think he's adjacent to traditionally good looking yeah when he's doing the when he's like making the pizza dough and everything like and she's lusting (laughs) after him oh boy was that upsetting and and we all knew one guy that we had a thing for and we also knew he was trash was absolutely yeah was yeah and everybody like thought he was great all right well we're gonna wrap up patty cakes i guess um really truly glad that this podcast or that this podcast that this movie came up on um new jersey is the world which is what made me look it up in the first place yeah and if you've watched it i would love to hear what you thought of the movie yeah i really really want to hear from people from Mm -hmm. jersey and not from jersey if you're not from jersey and you made it through this podcast you're the best uh let us know if if you understand us any better after watching this movie (laughs) i have a an instinct right now that i'm feeling and i can't decide if i should follow it or not for what i think we could watch next week why don't you share it with me and maybe i can help i know this is coming from a dark like 
a dark place. Uh-huh. But there's a part of me that wants us to watch Garden State as a companion piece to Patty Cakes. Oh, I think we should do that. Should we do that? I've seen it, but I think we should do that. Yeah, I haven't that's seen what it I mean. in over a decade. I haven't seen it in probably over a decade. I think we should do I, it. This is a movie that I loved and then hated. And now I'm very curious what my 37-year-old yeah. more critical mind. I loved it and was then embarrassed. Yes, exactly. And I don't mean critical and I mean critical in like a critical analysis yeah. way. Like I think that I could come to this movie um a little more objective and i'm really interested to see how i might feel i also i know this movie is called garden state and i think i've talked about this on the podcast it i don't think of it necessarily as a jersey movie weirdly even though i know it has some like very jersey it does like the, the thing that comes to mind is the mom's young boyfriend works at medieval times mm-hmm and it's, it's literally different... called Garden State. And Zach Braff is from Jersey. so But it's a different part of Jersey is the thing. That's... This right. is very specific to like a middle, lower middle class part of Bergen County. It's so specific. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and from what I remember of Garden State, it's a more upper middle class, like numbed out suburbia Vibe. And I think, uh, and a few years, if we're right, that Patty Cakes is set in like 99, mm-hmm. I think this is like 2004. Mm-hmm. And that move, we cross, not to get whatever, but we cross the, into the new millennium, excuse me, millennium, and we're post 9-11. Post 9-11, yeah. I'm, and so I think there's a lot that it might be worthwhile to... I think it's a good idea. Let's I do. do. I think it's a good idea. I think that, you know, we'll have to figure out how to frame a group of things going forward. But I do think that it's a good idea to follow this up with that. Cool. All right. Well, um, listeners, you heard it here. Let's see where we can watch Garden State. Oh, yeah. That's a good point. Max, Google Play, Amazon. Okay. Voodoo. Oh, yeah. Hulu. Roku. Oh, okay. It's four so, bucks yes. on YouTube. Or a DVD in my storage unit. If you can <laughs> sure. Get a hold of that. Yeah. <laughs> and we will, of course, talk about the soundtrack. Um, oh, yeah. Of course we will. There's, I know this movie has been, it's one of those movies that has really been talked about a lot, but not with our unique. Not with us. Not post a Patty Cakes been... watch either. I also, how old? Zach Braff. He's around my age, too. 48. Yeah, he's a year older than me. So. But I'm about to be 48, so yeah, Zach Braff is six months older than me, and Jeremy Jasper is uh, about two weeks younger. <laughs> this is a perfect movie to pair. See? Yeah, I love it. Okay, great. Okay, so I hope you enjoyed this mess of an episode where we just mm-hmm. talked about very specific New Jersey <laughs> locations that you've probably never been and if you enjoyed it, let us know. And if you hated it, let us know. Jody, I know you're le- less interested than I am in hearing about if you hate us, but no, we want to hear I'm from okay you. with it. You can hate us. And you can hate us at WatchersPodNJ on Instagram mm-hmm. or WatchersPodNJ at gmail.com or leave us a scathing review on Apple Podcasts. <laughs> Where can they find you? They can find me at on Instagram at Jody underscore Mim. J-O-D-I-E underscore M-I-M. Right now, my stories are all photos from the 90s, um, mostly around New Jersey. So if you're interested in 
you know. A fantastic companion piece to this yeah. episode is yeah, Jody's although, Instagram stories. I'm very quickly moving into the later years of my archive. And right now I'm in the 9-11 era and it's not pretty. Um, but I'm going to get out of that soon. Jody's in her 9-11 era. <laughs> oh God, that's a terrible sentence. <laughs> I, I lived in New York City on September 11th. I took some photos at Union Square Park afterwards and I'm currently scanning them. And it's uh, pretty depressing. But Yeah, uh, I'll bet. Yeah. Well, you can find me at AQ Andrea Q, and all of my pictures are of my dogs. So, Pacey is notably less depressing than 9 11. All right. I think that's it. Yeah. I'm excited. Next week. Me too. Garden State. Bye bye. See you later. (laughs) 